If you'd open your Bibles to John chapter 9. I don't usually read uh, a long passage, but I think that we need to do that. So let's just read John chapter 9. And as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was in order that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no man can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went away and washed and came back seen. The neighbors, therefore, and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, Is not this the one who used to sit and beg? Others were saying, This is he. Still others were saying, No, but he's like him. He kept saying, I am the one. Therefore they were saying to him, How then were your eyes open? He answered, The man who's called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed and I received sight. And they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees him who was formerly blind. Now it was a Sabbath on the day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Again, therefore, the Pharisees also were asking him how he received his sight. He said to them, He applied clay to my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees were saying, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others were saying, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And there was a division among them. They said, therefore, to the blind man again, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? He said, he's a prophet. The Jews, therefore, did not believe it of him that he had been blind and had received sight until they called the parents of the very one who had received his sight and questioned them, saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? Then how does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him. He's of age. He shall speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess him to be Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. That was a major deal to get put out of the synagogue. Economically and every other way. Socially. So a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man's a sinner. He therefore answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, 
And whereas I was blind, now I see. They said therefore to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You do not want to become his disciples too, do you? They reviled him. They said, You're his disciple. We're disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he's from. The man answered and said to them, Well, here's an amazing thing, that you do not know where he's from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does His will, He hears Him. Since the beginning of time, it's never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, He could do nothing. He answered and said to him, You were born entirely in sins. Are you teaching us? They put him out. He was excommunicated, put out of the synagogue. Jesus heard that they had put him out. And finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have both seen him. And He is the one who is talking with you. He said, Lord, I believe. And He worshipped Him. And Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see and that those who see may become blind. Those of the Pharisees who were with Him heard these things and said to Him, We're not blind too, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see. Your sin remains. Now those last few verses take some time to think about and go through, and we're not going to do that except to touch on them. But you about have to read this whole thing, don't you, to, to to get a feel for what was going on here. But let's pray before we begin to look into this. Our Father, we're thankful for the blood of Jesus. We confess if You should mark iniquities, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with Thee that Thou mayest be feared. And we're so grateful tonight for Your forgiveness. We pray You cleanse and forgive us of every sin and lead us on to higher ground. Lord, we need higher... We want to go forward. We want to grow... We want to be changed. We want to be more like Christ. We want to be more holy. Lord, have mercy. Lift us higher. Bring us higher. That was part of the promise of Your new covenant. You said, I'll put My Spirit within you and cause you to walk in My statutes. And You said, I'll cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. And Lord, uh, we pray You'd keep keep on that work, Lord, of cleansing us from all our filthiness and all our idols making us holy a holy people more and more for your glory for your namesake we think of this incredible account here we 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 know that we've we haven't seen a fraction of it but we're grateful for it so so thankful and thank you lord that you sought this man out after they had rejected him and you came to him personally 
and uh, revealed yourself to him. Amen. We're so grateful. Lord, help us here in this last bit of time we have together tonight. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. <clears throat> there was a time in church history when everything in the Bible was interpreted allegorically. And by that, um, uh, just a few examples, the woman at the well had five husbands and some, the, the way it was interpreted was, is, uh, well, the five husbands stand for the five books of Moses. Augustine said that the five husbands stand for the five senses, you know, sight and smell and that's what allegorical interpretation is. And you can be grateful for the Reformation. Amen. The church Amen. was brought back to what does the Bible actually mean. <clears throat> On the other hand, it's possible to go too far the other way and say that nothing physical was ever meant to teach us something spiritual. And um, the Bible doesn't go that way way either. You have in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul, uh, he says, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. So they all, he said all of them got baptized and took the Lord's Supper, but a bunch of them weren't really converted. Now see, he's taking something from the Old Testament and using that and applying that in a spiritual way. In another place in Galatians, he said these two women, Hagar and Sarah, are two covenants. And they correspond to two different mountains. And it keeps on going like that. So we can overdo this, but you can overdo it in two directions. And so we need to let the Bible tell us how to interpret the Bible. And we have specific teaching from the Lord Jesus that these things, these miracles were more than just acts of power. They were, they were meant to teach us something. He, I am the light of the world. He heals a blind man. I'm the bread of life. He multiplies the loaves. And so um, there's a teaching in this miracle of this healing of this blind man. <clears throat> we know that. Um, not only from the fact in verses 5 and 6 where he says I'm the light of the world but the fact that the whole chapter ends off talking about I came to make blind people see and those that are seen blind and if you you know you think you see but you don't you're still blind and so on so it's very clear that he is using these things to teach spiritual truths and um, so we come to this uh, account of the healing of the man born blind. You remember John says at the end of the book of John, he picked out, he didn't, he said many other signs, wonders, miracles Jesus did that are not recorded, but he picked those out specifically. There's seven, some say eight. He picked them out specifically so that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He's the Christ, that and in that believing you might have life in His name. So, in other words, He picked out things specifically to talk to us. He wanted to talk to us about that water and the wine, and the and the man born blind, and the and the bread of life, and those things. John wanted us to 
to get that. So he picked those out. So, what should we learn from this miracle? A mighty work of power um, regarding the healing of the blind man. Well, the first thing is, of course, we see the condition of all men in their natural state from birth. Men are born blind. They're not born in communion with God. You remember even little little boy Samuel, it says Samuel did not yet know the Lord. You're not born knowing the Lord. The general state of mankind is a condition of blindness. And Jesus tells us in verse 39 that He came that those who do not see may see. So... Uh, all lost men are blind to spiritual things, even the most religious men, even the Pharisees. Uh, in fact, right here at the end of the chapter of what we just read, they didn't realize how blind they were. They were, they were with Him and they said, we're not blind too, are we? Well, they were some of the most blind of any. Let me just, let me just read these verses to you. This is from Matthew 23. And then beginning in verse 16, he says, Woe to you, blind guides. Verse 17, you fools and blind men. Verse 19, you blind men. And then verse 24, you blind guides. And I know you don't want somebody as your guide who's blind. Go to the Grand Canyon, I'll be your guide. No, I don't want that. You blind, verse 26, you blind Pharisee. These are amazing statements. And so um, he makes it clear there again in, 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 in John 12. I'll just read that to you. Um, Though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. For this cause they could not believe. For Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes, and he hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes, and perceive with their heart, and be converted, and I heal them. These things Isaiah said, because he saw his glory, and he spoke of him. So, men start out blind, they're born blind, but then there's a, an additional blinding and hardening as men reject truth and as, they, as they're judged by God. They get blinder and harder yeah. and more sinful and more uh, impervious to the truth of God. God. Paul says it like that in 2 Corinthians 4, you remember? Uh, if our gospel is hid, it's hid to those who are lost and whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. God who commanded light to shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So that's what conversion is. All lost men are blind. And uh, Ephesians talks about this, that we're by nature children of wrath, following after all these things. And when a person is blind, you can turn the lights up all you want. It won't do any good. 
You can be you can have the best preaching, the best Bible teaching in the world, and it won't do any good. I have a pastor friend in Arkansas. I was telling some of the brothers about it, I think yesterday. He went out to pray for his lost son. And uh, God began to deal with his son. His son called him up and he said, Dad, how can I be saved? <laughs> well, he'd heard the gospel his whole life. Yeah. Never heard any of it. That's right. And you got to have somebody tell you, tell me now, tell me. Yeah. Isn't that something? Yeah. Amen. Explain to me. I, I, was, I, I didn't get anything. It's remarkable. My wife Mona, her testimony, when she came, she was she was religious and lost and on, on her way to the mission field in Papua New Guinea, which would not be a pleasant place to be lost and be a missionary there. <laughs> but during the preaching, she said the other people she said it was like the other people are looking through this this picture window at this beautiful scenery and they're oh and ah and they're praise God and everything and she did what what are they looking at? <laughs> you know? You sit there in the congregation and these other people are rejoicing in, in things and you're just sitting there what it's like what is it they're seeing? What is it why are they saying amen to that? Because you're blind. None of your arguments can convince a person who's blind. He needs a miracle. needs to have his eyes open. So that's the first thing. The state of all men, they're, they're blind and we need to cry out to God to open their eyes. But secondly, we see here the sovereignty of the Lord's mercy. There were a lot of blind men in Israel. Why should Jesus have mercy on this one? He wasn't asking to be healed. He wasn't expecting to be healed. He was just sitting there. He didn't even know who Jesus was. You know, blind Bartimaeus, he heard Jesus passing by. He'd heard all these stories. This guy's just sitting there. He didn't know who was passing by. But the Lord chose to have mercy on him and go to him and heal him. Amazing. That's the way it is in salvation. There's none that understands. There's none that seeketh after God. So you put out, gather up all the people seeking God. They're zero. Unless God has first sought them. And so then then you start seeking. He seeks us first. And that's why we end up seeking Him. So think how unexpected this miracle was. This man had no idea when he got up that morning. He had no idea that by the end of the day he was going to be walking around seeing. Totally out of the blue, God came and saved him. My own testimony was just like this. I got out of bed on a certain Sunday morning in, in, in uh, June of 1965. Which, by the way, I've been a Christian for a long time. 1965. And the Lord has never once done anything bad toward me. 
And I've never once ever, I can tell you this, I've never once ever regretted taking time to pray. Amen. I've regretted a lot of other things. I'm getting off track here. <laughs> but anyway, in June of 1965, I got up one Sunday morning. I had no thought of God. I had no concern for my soul. I wasn't having any problems, any trouble. When I went to bed that night, I was a new creation. Amen. <laughs> I mean, yeah. what happened? The Lord came to me and opened blind eyes. Amen. I got up the next morning, Monday morning. My whole life had been transformed. My spiritual eyes had been opened. I picked up the Bible, maybe for the first time, and opened it up. I could understand what I was reading. Amen. What do you say? I can see that. Yeah, You see it. Blessed thought. Even more blessed is the fact that when this man was first born, when his mother first realized, you know, here's this new little baby and it begins to dawn on her, something's wrong here. Something's wrong. He, He can't see. And when there's parents begin to grieve, you know, he's going to be begging all his life. That already God had set him apart for this day that was coming, and God had a plan in this whole thing. Isn't that encouraging? When he was a little boy, God already had a purpose that one day, years later, he'd be sitting beside this road and Jesus would pass by. I like that. Paul says in Galatians 1.15, when he who separated me from my mother's womb. So Paul's growing up, sitting at the feet of Gamaliel, all those things. That whole time, he's out cursing, blaspheming, making Christians, trying to get them to blaspheme and persecuting the whole time. God... God just bringing him along to the point. said, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Every time you see somebody become a Christian, they have, they're being, they have been called according to a purpose. It doesn't happen randomly. Right. So just at the right time, according to purpose, God saves the Apostle Paul when he's got him just to where he wants him to be able to do the work that he's got him that he's got planned for him to do now that think about this in your own life I think of myself when I was I was a little boy I was so I was so much ignorant of God playing around the house there already got I mean there were different things that happened there was one time I almost drowned in a lake about a year before I became a Christian. There was another time I, when I was younger. Oh, there was a fishing trip <clears throat> with my grandparents. Oh, I wanted to go on that trip. And I, it turned out I didn't get to go. And they were in a bad car accident. And I remember my mother, who was lost but religious, she said, maybe God has a purpose for your life. <laughs> Oh my. (laughs) 
Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I consecrated you. I ordained you as a prophet for the nations. That's what foreknowledge is. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew. Foreknew. I foreknew. In other words, I had, you were special. I set my love on you. I was looking at you. Back before you ever went down those paths of sin and darkness, I had I had you singled out. That's the way it was with this blind man. That's what he's saying. This happened for the glory of God. That's why he was born blind. It wasn't because his parents sinned or because he sinned. God had a purpose, already had a plan. <clears throat> That's the way it is for you too if you're a Christian. Amen. So you don't look back and say, "Oh, I wish I'd be," you know. I wish, and I understand this. I wish I'd become a Christian sooner before I did this or that. Yeah, that's true. But there's a there's a plan that God had that was being fulfilled, and every person who's called is being called according to purpose, Amen. not randomly, before His glory. So we see the sovereignty. <coughs> Thirdly, we see the greatness of the change that takes place in true conversion. Notice the reaction. These people are saying, is this the guy? Well, now he looks like him. <laughs> you see these people. So the change is so great that a lot of times people cannot figure out if it's even the same person. Yeah. It's like, what happened to him? Some of you know... Um, I keep mentioning people. Some of you know Tim Conway is a preacher. He he was he was on meth and everything else before God saved him. He had a high powered motorcycle, go blasting out of the parking lot, and he didn't know anything. God saved him and he overheard a couple of people talking. One of them said, What happened to him? And the other person said, Well, I'll tell you what happened, he got born again. Yeah. And Tim Tim thought, that must be what happened to me. (laughs) He didn't know enough to know what it was. (laughs) The change, the greatness of the change that takes place when when a blind man is given his sight, somebody blind from birth, well, he looks like the same man. Yeah, he is the same man, but he can see now. I had a friend that uh, was a, a pastor missionary for years. <clears throat> Before he got converted, he had he was one of these hippies back in my day, with the long ponytail and came out of a bar and there was guys passing out tracks. He said, "I'll never do something like that." And guess who was back at that same bar <laughs> passing out tracks? <laughs> Beloved, if you've been blind all your life and suddenly you are given your sight, you're different. What would it be like to live your whole life and then suddenly receive your sight? Well, I can tell you what it's like in the physical realm. I've got a newspaper article from, from a guy who was born blind and for 51 years he was blind. And they did an operation. He had a detached retina and a cornea transplant. And this guy's name was Bob Edens. I don't know how old this article is. 
But he's blind for 51 years and now able to see. He says, I can't wait to get up each day to see what I can see. I'm still seeing most of it for the first time. I never would have dreamed that yellow was so, so yellow. (laughs) I don't have the words. I'm amazed by yellow. But red is my favorite color. I just, I can't believe red. Grass is something I had to get used to. I always thought it was just fuzz. But to see each individual green stalk and to see the hair on my arm growing like trees. Look at that, you just look at that. (laughs) And birds flying through the air and everything. It's like starting a whole new life. It's the most amazing thing in the world to see things you never thought you'd see. At night, I I look at the stars in the sky and flashing lights. And I'm learning to read and write like a first grader. Everything is like a constant high. You could never know how wonderful everything is. And it tells about his, the type of work that he did before he was given his sight. But we won't go, I won't read all that. But he says he, he would rather talk about what he can see than what he can do. He said, I saw some bees the other day confided Edens, almost as if telling the secret, and they were magnificent. And I jumped a covey of quail. I had heard quail before, but to see them flying, what an experience. I saw a truck drive by in the rain the other day and throw a spray into the air. It was marvelous. (laughs) And did I mention, he said, genuine rapture in his voice, I saw a falling leaf just drifting through the air. That's what it's like to go 51 years and then get your sight in the spiritual realm. You're different. So, the question is, do you know anything about once I was blind, but now I can see. It may not be as dramatic as that, but it's real. Last thing we should learn from this miracle, and that is the great power that Christ has to open blind eyes. Even in the physical realm, this, this miracle is a mighty work. It's, it said, never, never has a man been born blind, been healed. Yeah. And it's interesting that in the Old Testament, in all of the Old Testament, of all the miracles recorded there, there's not one account of a blind person being given their sight in the whole Old Testament. Never since the beginning of time. And even more amazing, maybe, I don't know, is that in... In the New Testament, out of all the miracles that Jesus did, the healing of the blind is recorded the most. Luke 7.21 even says, He granted sight to many that were blind. All in one place. 
Now here even he is a man who was born blind. Nothing is too difficult for him. In other words, the Lord Jesus is telling us here that he's able to save anybody. Amen. Amen. He really is able to save anybody. Amen. It just doesn't have... He can shine into the darkest heart. He can open the eyes of the most sinful and ignorant person. And that ought to be a great encouragement to us. He can do that. He can, he can do that personally. If there was anybody the early church knew would never become a Christian, it was Saul of Tarsus. So, Jesus is the light of the world. And we ought to come to Him and cry out to Him for those that we love that are still blind. And ask Him to have mercy on them and give them their sight. It's amazing. He can do it. In, I mean, in one day, in one day, a person can be totally transformed. Even a person that's not even thinking about it. If you visit where John Wesley, where he's buried, there's a man there named Thomas Olivers who's buried there as well. Thomas Olivers was mocking John Wesley and just would go to hear him preach just to mock. All of a sudden God saves him and he became a hymn writer and now he's buried beside Wesley. He can, he can open the eyes of a man born blind. Amen.